if you're doing work as it shows up, that's the trap. Now, it might be strategic depending on the opportunity that it represents, but in most cases, you're just jumping on whatever hand grenade's going off. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 127. Today, we're going to be revisiting one of our top 10 most popular episodes. This one featured many valuable insights and tips on making your new year a more productive one. Good morning, Shy. Good morning, Craig. It's been an amazing year. What's been amazing is just having a few days off. Yeah, it's like really felt good and you're able to take a look at what you need to do for the next year. And part of that is defining, for me anyway, those New Year's resolutions and where we're going to go. Did you have any New Year's resolutions you were looking at? Well, not so much specific resolutions. You know, I I love the time between Christmas and New Year's. I save it for one of two things. I either try to get away and go to the beach somewhere warm and just think for a few days, which is what I did last year, which was amazing. This year, though, I was mostly at home and with some family. But I took that time where the phone's not ringing every minute and you're not getting quite as bombarded as usual through your other email and, and other ways of communicating I took that time to really sit down and reorganize my files a little bit and think about my goals and what I wanted to do for next year. Yeah, there's so many things to concern oneself with trying to get ready. I'm way behind. I'm still at the moat. I'm I'm still at the point of trying to figure out what am I not going to do in 2016. And there's a lot of candidates, I got to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll tell you what, that's such a powerful exercise. And I know we do this with a lot of our clients when we deal with time management, which is never ending. Many of my clients, time management and productivity is actually a reserved agenda item. We talk about it every session. We take 10 minutes and talk about it because it's one of those things that you work at and you strive to get better at. And I think now it's more important than ever. It is, and it's the full range. I know in working with clients over the years, it goes from people who have no time management. They work on the thing that's the shiny rock, the thing that's important at the second, and they operate their life on interrupt. Anything that comes across their desk or the phone rings, they're off on it. And so they look back at their day and have no idea what they accomplished. Even when they set out with the best intentions, they end up like that dog from that movie Up, the squirrel. Squirrel, what's that? Squirrel. Yeah, I mean, so many entrepreneurs fall into that category, and I think they don't even realize what that does to their employees and how it drives them crazy, especially their direct reports. Yeah, that realization that in this world versus many decades ago, the volume of things coming at us, some of it consciously and unconsciously, is gigantic volume. You know, it's funny. It's been like 15 years since David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, was first published, which is amazing to think about, right? So it was 2001. And I think more than anything, it really got us to change how we look at organizing our work and prioritizing how we spend time. And it's influenced so many people, and it's still completely relevant. There's a whole generation of people that have benefited by techniques and developed over the last 15 years. And a lot has changed since then. Oh, yeah. Lots changed since 2001. I mean, think about it. Key concept from that book really involves collection channels 
and getting everything together, organizing it first before you can figure out what to do with it, right? So you want to get everything into either your inbox, your mailbox, voicemail. Those are all collection channels. But think about it. This is before Facebook and Facebook Messenger, right? Absolutely. And it used to be you had one email address. I know people that have eight email addresses. Oh, yeah. Most entrepreneurs are managing multiple email accounts. Don't forget, they can be messaged from Facebook if they choose to. They can be messaged from LinkedIn. There's a hundred different apps. WhatsApp is one of them. Some people use Slack at work to try to be more productive, which is becomes like an intranet of communication. If you have a, a Mac, maybe you have the messages, iMessages going, and you can designate a hundred emails to come into that. So it's almost like we're setting ourselves up for this massive overcollection of data. So if you're not an expert and work at the ER, your ability to run triage is one skill that really needs developing. Yes, and you know, in using that analogy, think about it. If you work if you do work in the ER and you only have patients coming in off of an ambulance, that's one thing. But now imagine they're coming in off of an ambulance and they're coming in off of a helicopter and they're coming in from 300 different locations all at once without end. They never, ever stop coming. And every single patient that comes in requires at least some attention to figure out, you know, using the triage concept, what's the priority and who needs to be looked at right away. You know, it's funny. Think about this. The iPhone didn't even come out until 2007. So that ushered in a whole new era of mobile computing that made us even more accessible. So now you have even more things you're getting bombarded with. And the the point is that before we can effectively process information, we've got to be able to collect it. And now that we have more potential collection channels and interruptions than ever, it's just harder and harder to keep focus. Yeah, and there's so many categories, as David pointed out. There's so many areas of action reminders and context, and we're always at the computer. Even when we're mobile, we have multiple channels. We have devices in our hands. We have smartphones. We have so many things coming at us. And there's so many channels within that device. It used to be just at our computer. We could walk away from our computer. We could drive our car and we'd be just fine. Be away from communications. Not today. Multiple channels, multiple communications. You got text coming in. You got voicemails coming out, email coming in, all at a continuous rate. And when you go back to your office, it's the same volume. So you're continuously dealing with it or thinking you have to deal with it. Yeah, and luckily we have more tools now that really help us do a great job of collecting information. Where most of my clients get bogged down is not in collecting all of this junk. They can get it all together. They get bogged down in the doing. Yeah, and at the end of the day, what was the result? So where are we going to spend our time? In David's, what is now called the GTD, Getting Things Done Workflow, you know, he breaks it down into what all of us have heard or many of us have heard in one form or another, if you didn't hear it directly from the book, which is either do it, which is the two minute rule, right? If it takes less than two minutes, do it now. Delegate it if there's someone other than you that can do the task. And, you know, we could do a whole other episode on delegation because there's a lot of pitfalls and habits around delegation that trip people up. And then the third step would be defer it. So if it's not less than two minutes and you can't give it to somebody else and you're the right person to do this task, then you want to defer it so you can focus on it later. But this is really what today's discussion is all about. Think about it this way. Deferred items take longer than two minutes and often they become multiple stepped items. 
which we categorize into projects because of their complexity. And then as work becomes more complex, we end up with more and more interrelated projects, which requires a regular review and reprioritization uh, to say on stop of the changes and make sure you're scheduling that work and following through to completion. You're either engaged in doing predefined work that you've already sorted through, which you've deferred or scheduled, right? So that's strategic because you've already made a decision about it. Doing work as it shows up or defining work to be done. Well, if you think about those three things, if you're doing predefined work or if you're defining work to be done, you're doing the right thing. That's strategic. If you're doing work as it shows up, that's the trap. Now, it might be strategic depending on the opportunity that it represents, but in most cases, you're just jumping on whatever hand grenade's going off, and it's taking away from where you should be focusing. Yeah, doing work as it shows up is a trap, unless that work is really a strategic opportunity. All too often, we drop the important in favor of what we think is urgent or seemingly important because it's more exciting than what we were planning on doing or just plain easier. Our tendency is to do the easy things and get that dopamine rush, you know, that really high. Oh, yeah. And then things come back to you as far as we didn't complete what we really wanted to get done that day. So we're working on the wrong thing at the wrong time, merely to carry us further away from our goals that we want to achieve. Yeah, that's the painful part. I mean, how many times have you had a discussion with a client and have them say to you, you know, I had planned to do all of these things today, but then this happened and I didn't get any of it done. And it's that state at the end of the day when you realized you worked hard, you did a lot of things, but we really didn't move the ball forward. Nothing really resulted. You know, there's so much pressure on entrepreneurs as it is because you have to define your own work. You have to schedule that work and you got to get it done. You also have to figure out what you shouldn't be doing and delegate it and delegate it effectively to make sure that those folks you've delegated to get it done with the right outcomes on the schedule that gets you to the outcomes that you want. That takes a lot of energy to do on a consistent basis. I think because of that, we can't just rely on our own energy and determination every day. We really have to review and plan the strategic work that we can and prioritize that work in a way that creates a habit. Because then we can be flexible enough to recognize opportunities in certain types of interruptions, you know, like maybe a new potential prospect, and avoid the distraction in the others. Like jumping in to help a direct report with a management issue that popped up instead of challenging her to define the scope of the outcome she wants and how she would like to deal with the problem and why. Which results in an interrupt in itself, but it's an investment. It's that two-minute thing that you had mentioned earlier. I agree. And if we want to make competing our most important work a habit, then we have to prioritize defining that work and completing it at regular intervals. And defining that work, we have to define what's the most important. How do we triage this into its relative importance to the goals that we have? And sort of around that philosophy of what's the most important thing? What's the most important task in prioritization? Yes. And when you can combine the regular identification of the most important task or most important thing with a regular review process, and you've calendared your time in a way that allows you to focus on the most important thing when you're at your cognitive best, this is a killer combination. It sets you up to perform the tasks that are most essential towards reaching your strategic goals, regardless of what else is on your plate. And once this becomes a habit, you'll see a tremendous boost in your productivity and your mental state. 
in defining what's most important, what type of triggers enter your mind when you're looking at things that come across your desk or emails or tasks that are coming forward at all times? How do you triage your most important? Well, actually, I think it's one of those things where you have to change your viewpoint on the big picture and then sort of work backwards from scope. So I think if you have your vision and your mission for where you want to be and what your company's vision is for the next three years, and you have some goals set around that, and then those come into your annual goals and targets, which maybe many of our listeners have set for 2016 already, and then those probably break into some quarterly targets that you're looking at. And then from there, of course, you can now look at, well, okay, well, what are the projects that are going to get us to those milestones? And you break that into smaller intervals. So what am I trying to get done this month? What projects are the priority? And so you can really work from there and align those tasks around it. A very powerful technique, which I encourage all of my clients to do, is to associate a dollar amount. In fact, even when they enter it into a task manager or if they're writing it on a piece of paper, however they manage their tasks – I challenge them to put a dollar amount next to each task. It gets you to focus on the outcome. And if you're trying to generate new revenue or you're associating it with another KPI that's important to you, that really helps you focus when you're sorting through 50 tasks to figure out where to start. Do you have any tricks or tips like that that you use for prioritization? Very similar from the standpoint of what are the goals and what are the results we want to see for that next day, week, quarter, year, what are the key results that you're looking for, the key performance indicators that you're looking to accomplish for that time period? That prioritizes everything that comes into you then. You can benchmark those new requests of your time and new tasks against your priorities, and it clarifies your decision-making for you. So, Shai, you mentioned aligning some of your time based on your cognitive best and performance. How would you know when that is? Well, I know what it is for me. Uh, You know, my my best time in terms of being able to really focus is early in the morning. And then again, I get a second wind later at night. But I find that much like our natural circadian rhythms, right around 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., I really take a big cognitive dip. And I just try not to schedule any kind of activity during that time frame that requires decision-making. I I avoid critical strategic meetings during that time, and I try not to make any kind of decisions during that time period because I know I'm just not at my sharpest. So for me, I block out MIT time four days a week, and my MIT time is going to be the first 90 minutes. As you know, Craig, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like an early riser, but... (laughs) Early, <laughs> but, I, but I did. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not an early riser by most people's standards, uh, but I do try to block out, you know, 730 till nine where I'm going to be focused on dealing with the most important thing. And that answer has been different for all of our clients. But, you know, it's funny. I have this one client who constantly struggles with distraction and, you know, he's chronically frustrated because he can never seem to get out of the collection phase. Every day, he would obsessively plow through his inbox and put things into one of a dozen productivity tools. I, and I, I use that term with a touch of irony. 
he loves tools, right? So Asana, Google Calendar, OneNote, Reminders, all of these different places. And he would prioritize them and move them around and move them back and forth. But by the end of the week, he never really felt like he was accomplishing anything. I don't know if that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. You have that busyness feel. As long as you're busy, you got to be doing something valuable and you're going to be productive because you've accomplished so much. But what were the results of that day? And that's where the frustration comes for so many clients and so many business owners. They really are working hard, 12, 18-hour days many times, and still not getting the results they're trying to achieve. I hear this echoed over and over again when I'm talking with entrepreneurs at every stage where one of their biggest concerns is, how do I know if I'm spending my time on the right things? I love that question because it is obtainable. And really, the two key pieces to this are aligning the most important thing time for you, figuring out how to calendar that time, and then having a review process to make sure at regular intervals, at least weekly, that you've reacted and recalibrated those most important things that you're going to do during that activity. But the reason why you got to calendar it that way is so that it becomes a habit. And then you can achieve this wonderful state of actually knowing that you are spending your time on the right things during that time period and actually know that when you're cognitively drained at the end of the day, that that's a good time to go ahead and clear out your inbox because you're just sorting through information and you're not making hard decisions. So Shai, how did this work out with your client? He had tried working on a a lot of different techniques. So he tried working with sort of a daily prioritizer, which had five different categories. He tried using a monthly planner and He tried emailing reminders and SMS notifications and even writing out a list every morning. Then he tried writing it out every evening. Then he tried writing it out during dinner (laughs) of the top three to five things he wanted to do that day or the next day. But he really kept chasing his tail. In a way, this was contributing to his feeling of overwhelm. What were the steps in getting out of that? Well, we started to talk about outcomes and how to simplify things to eliminate distraction And really this idea of trying to get a new habit to take root, because really that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to create a new habit. Habits are very powerful and we are creatures of habit. And there's a lot of research that shows that until something becomes a habit, it's not likely you're going to be able to repeat it on a consistent basis. So we spent some time thinking about actually what you were talking about earlier and how you approach your New Year's resolutions. You know, what could he stop doing and what were the things that we could focus on? How do we distill this to create a new habit? So we stopped thinking about three to five things and we started thinking about one thing. Craig, when we were talking about prioritization, you talked about looking, defining at your key goals and then looking at KPIs, et cetera. And he'd already done some great work around doing this for the year. So I said, hey, what is the most important KPI that you have out of all of these goals that you have? What's the most important indicator and what's the most important goal? And he immediately said, without hesitation, get more subscribers. Because he knew that would generate the revenue he needed to hit the other goals he had established. So we broke down the marketing strategy to the most important activities by channel that would yield more subscribers, including revenue targets for each channel. That way he could break those targets down further into monthly and weekly goals. How did he blend this into his previous schedule? Well, we started talking about times when he felt like he was at his best and really tried to spend some time reflecting and reviewing on that. And one thing that came up was that he loves to get up early on Saturday morning for a workout 
and then sit around with coffee and just think a little bit before his day gets started. This is a natural time for him to focus on planning. He could sort of review the prior week and and think about what was ahead. And what we tried to do is just turn this already established ritual that he had into a habit by just adding one step. After he reflected on the prior week and what was accomplished, the next question he had to define was, what is the single most important thing that can either be completed this week or move forward this week? So what I mean by that is maybe it's not a specific task, but it's part of a larger project. But what would be the single most important thing that could be done to start moving that forward? Again, it's looking like results, always benchmarking every activity against the results you're trying to achieve. Yes, it's an orientation towards results and outcomes. So we had an agreement that once he would go through this process, as soon as he felt he had the answer, he would write it down and send it to me. And the email would include why this was the most important thing for him right now, how completing this thing would affect his goals, and also include how he would know that he was finished. What did that successful outcome look like? And then he reprioritized his week entirely so that he would block off the first 90 minutes of his workday to focus on the most important thing. And then finally, on any given morning, he would write down one task and one task only. Even if that task would take far less than 90 minutes to complete, he would pick one task and write it down as the most important task to be completed during that MIT time. Now, some people say it's better to do this the night before. Again, when you do it is not as important as that you do, in fact, get it done, and that you set yourself up for a way that it can become a regular habit. So what were some of the results that he experienced? Well, it was amazing, actually. You know, After a few weeks, he felt completely re-energized. And after a few months, when we looked back at the weekly MITs and the results, we were both really happy to see it exceeded his expectations. There was only one week in seven that he had not completed the MIT that he set out to complete. And he learned a lot from that experience as well. And we did a quarterly look back. It was even more impressive. He exceeded each KPI by double digits. You know, another very powerful book on productivity is The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And one of the things he talks about is keystone habits. And the idea of a keystone habit, for instance, physical activity on a regular basis, once that becomes a habit, it affects now how you think about the kind of food you eat. And it affects how you think about maybe some other habits that you're doing that might be more detrimental to your body because you've gone through this process of focusing on trying to be more healthy. So it permeates into other areas. So getting clear on the MIT and having this weekly review, once this took root as a habit, Craig, it wasn't just his business goals that improved. I remember one week he sent me a message and said, the most important thing for me this week is that I spend more time with my family. I've really been neglecting them a bit, and I think that it's time for me to focus on that. And so here's what I've done. And he laid out the schedule for his week, and he actually blocked off two days completely and removed them. And he was going to spend his time taking his son to see a new movie that his son wanted to see and, and do something together with his wife as well. They actually went away for an evening as a family, And it wasn't just that he said, I want to spend more time with him. He talked about the why, and he talked about how important it was. And when I asked him about that last part where I said, okay, you have to tell me how you know when this is going to be complete. Like, how will you know you've achieved the most important thing? And he said to me in the email that he wrote, he said, 
I'll know that I achieved my MIT next Saturday morning when I reflect back and think about the wonderful time I had with my family and as I enjoy breakfast with my wife and my son. And we have to remember these things all overlap. So when you're talking about priorities and KPIs, there's life priorities as well. And he had set goals for what he wanted his life to look like. And because he'd set goals, he had even set goals around the time and not just, you know, how much time, but what he wanted that time to be like. He set that at the beginning of the year, you know, under the category of family and personal time. And because he'd done that and because he had a review process, he realized in his review, he's thinking, what's the most important thing? He's looking at all of his goals, including his personal goals. And was able to parse that out and say, you know what, this week, this is more important than anything else. Yeah, to take a look at your role in society, in your family, and in your business, instead of just the 180 degree focus on the business, your life is 360 degrees. And you should have KPIs and all of those things that are important to your balance of your whole life, scheduling them in. If they're important, they deserve time on a calendar. And they deserve time for when you're at your best. And, you know, you flash forward a few years, and this is now a habit for him like any other. And what was once almost impossible is now a second nature for him is brushing his teeth every day. (laughs) And he says the alignment of the daily MIT production time with a weekly review has completely transformed his productivity and his company. And it's now at the core of his leadership training for his new managers. That's a great story, Shy. Real-life results based on a change of habits and including the complete spectrum of his life. What types of things can a business owner really be focusing on now for 2016 as they look forward and some of these learnings we just had? You know, I think in my experience, not just with this client, but with myself and with other clients, this is one of the most powerful resolutions you could ever make. And I think if you recognize that most of the software tools and apps we have right now available to us are really great at helping us collect and process information, and they can be very helpful when properly deployed. But at the end of the day, none of this matters unless you can actually do the most important work, which requires more than an app can provide, at least so far. In order to truly become a habit, you must find time for a scheduled weekly review and combine that with scheduled daily time to focus on producing the most important thing. And doing this will help you get the right things done, not just process information. So what I'd like to offer for our listeners is go to our website and in the show notes this week, you will find a link to the new copy of David Allen's book, the updated copy to Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. And this is the brand new edition that came out in 2015. And we also will include a link to a getting things done workflow diagram. So for those of you that might not be familiar with it, this would be a great place to start. Also a link to the Charles Duhigg book, The Power of Habit, which is another really powerful read on how to create new habits for yourself and get rid of the things that are holding you back. And perhaps the simplest thing that I would urge all of our listeners to do is really look at your week. And I don't know how long it's been since you've reviewed your calendar. If you haven't done it in a while, this is a great time to do it. This is a new year. Take a look at your week and how you are blocking your time. Ask yourself, are you scheduling strategic work time when you're at your best? If you're not, start thinking about how you can make that change. 
And then how you can find time when you're at your best to do a weekly review. You know, for some people, this is Friday afternoon. For some people, it's Saturday morning, Sunday evening, whichever one works for you. Some quiet time when you're thinking where you can look at your week and when you can really focus on what am I going to prioritize to do during that time when I'm at my cognitive best. And if you can align those two things, I guarantee you, you will improve the outcomes of getting the goals accomplished that you want. And you will feel a lot better about your life and you will be amazed at what you can accomplish. This episode has been sponsored by Align for Business, providing owner and executive team coaching, as well as business consulting to grow your business. That's aligned, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.